This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Um, and yeah, I want to, my sermon title is The Christian Life. Um, and I want to sketch us a picture of what I believe the church looks like. And I believe that it, that it is like a fleet of ships, um, consisting of the individual ship, um, that, that has to have people on board and, and make sure that it has its own supplies and its own health and make sure that its sails are, are correct and stuff. And then we have the fleet, um, which, um, work together, make sure that each ship is fine and, um, there's always a purpose with a fleet of ships. We never see a fleet of ships um, just going for a spinabout in the harbor. Um, but we always see a purpose um, in, in that, in, in, in a fleet of ships. And I see this as the church, um, where we are, we are individuals, but we all form part of a church. We all form part of a fleet and a community and a family. Um, and there's a purpose of why we do all of this. And that's basically um, what I want to um, lay out for us today um, is, is, is how we do this individual family and purpose thing. Um, and I'm really trusting God to, to bring perspective. And maybe you know a lot of this, but that, Lord, that the Lord will touch you um, at specific places. So I want to start off with the individual. And, and if you guys can go with me to Luke 23, verse, verse um 42 and 43. Um, just a bit of context. This is Jesus being crucified. And um, the, there's two thieves with him. And the one thief is kind of shouting at him and saying, but if you're the son of God, why don't you get yourself down from this cross? And, um, you know, being very arrogant about it and things. And then in 40, verse 42, um, we pick up where, where the other thief replies, Um, And he says, but the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God, since you are undergoing the same punishment. We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. And I believe that this is the starting place of the gospel and the starting place of our understanding of where we stand in relation to God. Um, and there's three things that we, four things. The first thing is that we see that this man has no entitlement towards Jesus. He doesn't say that because you're the son of man, get yourself down like the other thief. But he, the first thing is, is actually that he has the fear of God. That he understands who Jesus is and he has the fear of God. And the second thing is that he realizes that he is a wretched man and that he is supposed to be there. He deserves to be on the cross and he recognizes that Jesus doesn't deserve to be on the cross because he's done nothing wrong. He's been sinless. And the third thing is that he realizes that we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to come to Christ for repentance to ask for forgiveness. And unfortunately for for us, unlike this guy, we didn't go to paradise the same day as Jesus, but we have to live this life still. Um, and from this place of living this life, we, we're going to go into the, to the next slide. And with Hebrews 4 verse 12, 
um, that says, for the word of God is living and active. Um, and if we pause here and we actually think about, because we quote it a lot, if we actually think about what it means when it says that the word of God is living and active, I'm just going to give you a moment to think about what does it mean that the word is living and active in your life. And not only what does it mean, but is the word of God living and active in your life? And it says, for the, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I believe yeah, that in Psalm 19, we get a very good idea of what it means that the word is living and active um, in our lives. In Psalm 19, you guys can keep open on Hebrews 4 and Psalm 19. I'm going to jump between the two. Um, that Psalm 19, verse 7 to 10 um, it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, one of my favorite Psalms. It says, The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure and enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, they are than abundant, abundance of pure gold and sweeter than honey which comes from the honeycomb. And I think in here we can see the answer that the word of God is living and active when it starts transforming us, when it starts renewing our minds into the image of Christ. And in Psalm 19 we can see that it renews your life, it makes the inexperienced wise, it makes the heart glad, it makes your eyes light up and it endures forever. And there's a lot of activity in there. And I believe that what the psalmist is talking about is the word of God, is the precepts, is uh, the testimony, the, the instruction, the command of God. That's the word of God in our lives. And the question that I want to ask us is, does the word give you life? Does it transform, make your heart glad, make your eyes light up? Or does, is it a burden to you? Is it a, is it a burden to you to read scripture in the morning? Is it a burden to you to, to go to scripture and read it? Because obviously it shouldn't be. It should give life. It should make your eyes light up and your heart glad. And this is what it means when the word is active. And we, we can only have the word that is active through the Holy Spirit. So we need, we need the word of God to be active in our lives and to be transforming us. Because we need to become more like, more like Christ. We need to be transformed into the image of Christ. And the next slide is Hebrews 4 verse 13. Um, and it says, no creature is hidden from his sight. So we've read that the word of God is active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing everything. Um, and then verse 13 says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And if we go back to that that um, that man on, a, on the cross, I think that, that he was quite naked and exposed in front of God um, because he was a sinner and he admitted it and he understood who, who Christ was. And um, I want to ask us the question, I think it's there, yeah. what, is your, what is your greatest fear in coming to God? And for most of us, I think for, for me, for a long time, it was that God rejects us. That when we come to God, that he will reject us. That when we come to God, that he'll not be pleased with us. 
And um, I want us to jump back to Psalm 19. Um, after he he says um, what the word does in his life, he, he has this beautiful response um, in verse 12, Psalm 19, verse 12. It says, who can discern his errors? So who, who can see in himself what is wrong and where he's sinning? And then he asks God, declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I believe that this is our response to being naked and exposed in front of God. This should be our response to being naked and exposed in front of God. Is that he knows he, he's, he knows that he does wrong. Um, and he knows that he's not perfect, but that God is perfect, the psalmist now. And it's quite a, quite a bold request. Um, but it's a request that from someone who knows where he is standing with God. And if you're a bit lost now, it's going to make sense. It's going to come together now. Um, and basically what he's saying is that I know that I sin, but I don't want to sin, so please help me, God. Let sin not rule over me so that I can be blameless and I can be innocent and I can stand before you. And let everything that I do please you. And for him to to say that is is amazing for me because he doesn't have Jesus. It's still Old Testament. But that Hebrews 4 says that everything is exposed and naked in front of God. He knows all things. He sees all things. And Hebrews 4 verse 14 then gives us hope. Because we know that we're wretched. We know that we sin. We know that we're um, in need of God. But how? How do, we, how do we bring the two together? And Hebrews 4 verse 14 to 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. And God, is, God really started speaking to me about this this year. And it's this picture um, I've I got two pictures that, that kind of follow on one another. And the first is that we're standing outside the throne room of God. And we're very aware, as the psalmist is, of our sin and of our inadequacy, of our mortality and our humanity. And, we, and, and we, we're very aware of, of the fact that, that God might reject us or that we have this fear that God might reject us if we go in with all this stuff. But there's this hope where it says that, where, where, where I saw this picture of us standing there, and Jesus, the high priest, comes to stand at the door, and he says, don't worry. Don't fear, because he already knows. He already knows your fears. He already knows your mortality, your humanity. Everything is exposed and, and is in sight of God. There's no need to fear. And Jesus, the high priest who understands everything that we went through, everything that we go through, 
it says here that we have a high priest who, who, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. We have a high priest who is able to sympathize because he was tested exactly the same as what we are tested, even greater. And he stands at the door and he says, I know what you've been through and I know how you feel, but God knows already, so go in. And therefore we can go into the throne of grace boldly as children of God. That we understand, God, I'm sinful and I'm, and I'm a wretched man. But because Jesus stands at the door, I can go in as a child of God and I can sit at the feet of God. And there's so much hope in that. And the second picture is, once we've come to this place of coming into the throne room, of Jesus inviting us in, and we come without fear and we come boldly to the throne of grace that... Um, God, that, that we just sit and we just behold God. We just sit and we look at God in His face and we just marvel in His glory. And we just be with Him. And it's a word that Courtney Baker brought last year just after convergence, but that we actually come and we be with God before we move on. And the picture starts with us sitting in front of God and the next moment God stands up off of His throne And he takes us by the hand, which is really intense. Um, And he takes us by the hand and he shows us his glory. He takes us and he shows us his splendor and his glory. And then from that place of seeing his glory, of that place of seeing his splendor, he, he sends us out. Because what happens there can't stay there and it has to be represented in the world. And when I, when I preached in December, I preached on, on this, this, uh, this um, uh, Bible verse. Couldn't get that word. Um, Habakkuk 2 verse 1. And it says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower. And I'll look out to see what he will say to me. And what I will, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Um, and the key to this scripture is that, is that Habakkuk actually goes and he says that I will take my stand on my watch post and hear what he has to say to me. Because in, in, in the world that we live in, we have everything at the tips of our fingers. We have access to so many sermons, so many worship, spontaneous Bethel videos um, that, that we almost over... Over, we flood ourselves with these things and we become familiar with the presence of God. Because we don't seek Him for ourselves because it's so easy to go onto the internet and just hear what someone else, God has told someone else and apply it to my life. We've actually become lazy to go into the presence of God, to take our stand on our watch post and hear what God has to say to us. And maybe you're here and you've taken your stand, you've heard what God has said, but I want to challenge you and have you answered concerning the complaint? Have you answered concerning what God has told you? Because I believe it's very much the same as coming into the throne room, beholding God, seeing Him, hearing from Him, and going out. And God asks us, what are we going to do as we go out? Are we going to do nothing with it? Or are we going to respond? God has maybe given you a word or instruction, a vision, And are we going to run with it? 
and for us as individuals, we need to we need to get the word into our life. We need to pray constantly. We need to separate ourselves because even Jesus did it. Even Jesus did it many times that he went up onto the mountain to be with God. And we need to do that. We need to discipline ourselves to to not just type in sermons when I feel a bit uh, about reading the word, but actually to press in, read the word, worship, pray, to, to practice daily disciplines as individuals in the church. And I want to go over to the fleet um, of us as a community, from this place of us each going to God, standing on our watch post, receiving, entering the throne of grace with boldness because Jesus invites us in. How do we do this together? How do we do this as a church? And Acts 2 verse 42 to 47, we, we quote this so many times, um, but it's just so beautiful in terms of Christian community. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and humble attitude. That's amazing. Praising God and having favor with all with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. And I think in the scripture, there's he's saying a lot, but also he's saying a lot by what he doesn't say and what is not mentioned. And um, I think um, what yeah, what we don't see in the scripture is that there's what we see is that there's no striving, that there's no selfish ambition. There's no selfishness or pursuit of personal success, but that we, we're looking after one another. And I want us to look at the fleet a bit further, and Pastor Jan mentioned this. It was kind of like a side note on Sunday, but it really stuck with me. Nehemiah 4 verse 14, and it said, After I made inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. And fight for your countrymen, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your, and your, and your homes. And just the context of Nehemiah is the walls of Jerusalem have, and the gates have been burnt down, and he goes to rebuild it. And some people conspire to fight against them as they're rebuilding the walls so that they won't succeed. So they fight with, or they build with a sword in the one hand and laying bricks in the other hand. And in this he says, remember the awe-inspiring God and fight for your countrymen, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And the one thing he doesn't say is don't fight for yourself. He says fight for the people around you. And that's so important for us as a community. That my personal success or my personal breakthrough is never more important than the guy next to me. And Pastor Jan said it, and it just stuck with me, is that when everybody fights for someone else, then everybody is fought for. When everybody builds for someone else, then everybody is building together, you're being built for. And our challenge is that we get so caught up in, in our lives, our daily pursuit of our success, 
we become selfish, we become self-centered, that we forget about our Christian community and we just come into church and leave because that's what we should do. So we see that we need to fight for one another. We need to build together to see God's kingdom come. And in Hebrews 3 verse 13, um, it says, Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an unbelieving heart that departs from the living God, but encourage each other daily, while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become companions of the Messiah if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. And he says three things. He says, watch out, be alert for an unbelieving, hardened heart. Secondly, encourage one another daily. And thirdly, he says, do this so that we may hold firm to the end. As I said in the beginning, being a Christian is just tough from the start. I mean, in the society, in the community that we live today, Everything is pushing against Christianity, against Christ, trying to nullify the work of Christ, not only in our lives, but in the world. So that's kind of like a tough start just to begin with. If I say I'm a Christian, you're fighting the world, which is quite a lot of people. And then we add on top of that, we add our jobs and our families, our finances, our serving at church, our kids. And then it gets quite a lot, and it gets quite quite overwhelming if you do it alone. If you're, if, you're, if you're pursuing your own stuff continually, but when we're in the fleet, when we're in the community of believers, we can see that it encourage one another daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. And this is our challenge, is are we encouraging one another daily? Are we saying, hey, like, you can do it, you can do it, it's fine, you, you've got this, God is with you. Times get tough, God is with you. Times are great, we praise together, we mourn together, we do everything together because we're in community. And... When we come to this place of standing before God and hearing what he has to say to us and going out, and part of going out is encouraging our brothers and our sisters and preaching the gospel and representing Christ in everything that we do, um, we, we won't be able to do it if there's no purpose. All of this will be meaningless. All of this will, will be really super difficult if there's no purpose. And in Colossians 1, verse 16 to 18, it says, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Everything is created through him and for him so that he might come to have first place in everything. That Jesus Christ will be first in everything that we do. John 17 verse 3, This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. That 
we have this purpose, this promise of a reward of eternal life. As we commit our lives to God, as we commit our community to God, we have a promise of eternal life, and that is to know you being the only one true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. To know Jesus, to know God, this is eternal life. To love God with all your heart, everything that you have, and to love your neighbor as in that same way. That is eternal life. So that's, that's for me, that's the one part of the purpose is for eternal life. It's our promise, our reward in heaven. And the second one is 1 Corinthians 30, uh, 10 verse 31. The first part says, Therefore, whether you eat or whatever, eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. So we have this promise of eternal life and the purpose is that we may gain eternal life through knowing Jesus and God and loving them with everything, loving the church with everything. But that in this process, as we live our Christian lives, that we give glory to God in everything. In Revelation, it talks about the elders casting off their crowns because he is worthy of everything. He receives the glory for everything. And yeah, the, this morning I, I quickly went to go get the coffee machine and I wanted to go through the back door of the, of the office and I was like kind of rushed because I needed to get here. It was very early, but I still needed to rush to get here. And I was like kind of jamming the key into the hole and like trying to get it unlocked and it just didn't work. It just didn't want to work. And then I think Jason called me and I looked around to hear what he had to say. And then when I looked back again, I just calmly opened the, the door. The door opened. And I believe for us, that's a, it's, it might seem very simple, but it's a very profound word for me this morning that we do everything from a place of rest. Hebrews 4, verse 10 to 11. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. And I believe that everything that we do, everything that we are, everything that we represent and the way that we conduct ourselves has to be from this place of rest. Otherwise, we enter into disobedience. Because when we want to come into the presence of God and try and be right, try and cover up our sins and our stuff, we're, we're not resting. But when we realize that Jesus has made the way into the throne of grace, we can rest to enter when we realize that we have each other's backs, when we realize that we're encouraging one another daily, we're fighting for one another, we can rest in the fact that God is keeping me and my community is keeping me. I don't have to do this alone. And that I have a purpose, that I can rest that Jesus Christ because I've made my commitment and I've made my confession and believed in my heart and I endure to the end with this confession, holding fast to it, that Jesus is going to give me eternal life when he comes back or when I die. And it's all from a place of rest. That we have to rest in the knowledge that God is more faithful than we will ever know. To rest in the knowledge that He is more committed to His covenant with His people than we can ever begin to grasp. To rest in the fact that He loves us because we are His children. To rest in the fact that He did not give us what we actually deserve, which is hell. But rather He gave us what we definitely didn't deserve, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer this morning, and it's a very simple prayer, but it's very profound for me. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5, it says, May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and to Christ's endurance. 
that in everything you may see and experience and know God's love in his word and in his community. And that no matter how tough times get, that you have a community that backs you and that Christ died for you so that you can endure to the end, receive eternal life and give him glory for everything that he has done. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.